And I want to start with a story. And it's a story about a friend of mine called Jack, and he's got a two-year-old daughter called Elsie. Um, and I was with them the other day, and we were at the park, and I remember watching Jack pick up Elsie, two-year-old Elsie, and put her on top of the tallest slide in this park. And I could see, like, I remember seeing the, the discomfort on Elsie's face. Like, she clearly didn't want to be there. But Dad didn't seem to care. And uh, I remember watching Jack just give this almighty push on Elsie's back, and she went flying down the slide. Uh, and I remember just the, the look of fear on her face, but then just turned to joy as she went down this slide. Um, and it got me thinking about a couple of things. One, this is a really unusual model for parenting and shouldn't be used by anyone here. But two, it is a bit of a picture of, you know, how it is with us and God sometimes, or at least it feels like that, that God's kind of put us on the biggest slide in the park. You know, we feel out of our depth. We feel out of our control. And we're in this place that we didn't expect. And he says to us, look, trust me. Trust me, it's going to be all right. Um, and as the summer just gone um, it closed and, and the new academic year began, I, I started to feel a little bit anxious. And one of the reasons for that is um, I've started training for ordination. Um, so I'm training to be a priest in the Church of England, which I'm really excited about, but I'm also feeling a little bit daunted by. And I was, I was praying about this a few weeks ago, and I felt like God asked me a question. I felt like he said to me, Sam, do you trust me? Do you trust me with your life? And I wonder whether that's a question that he's wanting to ask not just me, but you individually this morning. You know, when you consider your own life, do you trust Jesus with your life? Do we as a church community trust Jesus with this community? Do we trust that he's enough? Do we trust that he holds us, that he will guide us? Uh, so that's, that's the theme for this morning, trusting in God. And the, the Bible says all sorts of things about this, and there are loads of passages we could turn to. Uh, but one that I, I like is in Proverbs chapter 3. You might know it, um, verses 1 to 6, and I'm going to read it in just a second. But if you're unfamiliar with the book of Proverbs, it's in the Old Testament. And this word proverb, it means a short, clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom, so it's a book in part just full of those sorts of sayings, short, clever sayings. Um, and the first nine chapters of Proverbs are made up of 10 speeches, and, and they're from a father to a son. And like any good parent, this father is desperate to pass on his life advice to his son. And we're sort of a fly on a wall to their conversation. So I'm going to read part of it. It's chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Um, and you can follow it with me on the screen if you want. So it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. 
So some familiar verses maybe to a few of us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And I think one of the challenges with these sorts of verses is certainly for some of us that they're so familiar like we've, we've heard them time and time again, and we can become almost so well acquainted with them that they lose their challenge. They're the sort of verses that we stick on fridge magnets, you know, and they stick really well to our fridges, but often, at least for me, like it doesn't stick so well to my heart. And so for us, you know, what would it look like for us to, to hear what the Lord is wanting to say to us through these verses? And also, you know, how can we live them out more fully? So I'm going to just focus on those, those verses, five and six. So firstly, trust in the Lord with all your heart, is what it says in Proverbs. And this sentence, it can seem a little bit strange to us, and I think one of the reasons for that is, you know, we think of the heart in biological terms. It's this organ in the chest which pumps blood around the body. But for the ancient Israelite writers of the Bible, they didn't have a word for the brain or any sort of concept of it. So... For them, the heart meant a whole variety of things. For them, um, they imagined that a human's intellectual activity took place in the heart. The heart is where you think, it's where you make sense of the world. It's where you feel emotion like pain, fear, and joy. It's where you make choices motivated by your desires. So the heart, for, for the writers of the Bible, it's, it's the center of all human existence. That's why in Proverbs chapter 4, a little bit later on, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. One interesting verse. Above all else, guard your heart, everything you do flows from it. And so trust in the Lord with all your heart means, look, with everything you have, with all that you are, trust God with your whole life, with your thoughts, your emotions, your decision-making. And the Christian life, just as I've been reflecting on these verses, the Christian life is an invitation into trust. I think that's what it is, partly at its core. It's an invitation from Jesus to us into a relationship of trust. And I love the stories of Jesus calling his first disciples. Like, I don't know if you've ever read them, but like me, when I've read them, I was just like, oh, these are really bizarre passages. You've got Jesus sort of walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he says to these fishermen, come and follow me. And just immediately, they leave their boat and they follow him. You know, and it's possible the gospel writers skipped out a few details. But as far as the accounts were given go, you know, Jesus doesn't tell his disciples what following him will look like. He doesn't share with them a step-by-step plan. He doesn't even say where they're going. He just says, come, follow me. He gives them an invitation to trust them with their lives. And these stories, they, they capture both the way in, but also the way on in relationship with Jesus. When he said, come, follow me, he gave them a doorway and a path. And the same is true for us. When we say our yes to Jesus, we walk through the door, but it, it's a yes every single day. It's the path that we walk, it's a continual process of trusting in him. To trust that a life with him is far better than a life without him. To trust that his heart is for us. To trust that, you know, as we give our lives to him, we're doing what we were created to do. 
So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Next, it says, lean not on your own understanding. I don't know about you, but I can't really imagine walking into Waterstones and seeing a book titled Lean Not on Your Own Understanding and it being a bestseller. You know, it's just not, it's not a catchy line. It's not something that we would necessarily be drawn to. Our culture tells us actually to do the opposite. You know, lean on your own understanding. It's, it feels far easier to, to lean on ourselves than to lean onto God. And we see this right at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve. They reject God's invitation into relationship and trust. They choose to redefine good and evil for themselves. And as we read this story, it's, it's a little bit like looking through a window. And the other side of the window is you and me. You know, this is how all of us can be. Someone once said that sin is an unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. It's an unwillingness to trust. And I don't think that's a complete definition, but it is helpful. You know, sin, it's not just about doing bad stuff. It's about living in resistance to the very character and nature of God. It's, it's failing to acknowledge that he is, in fact, trustworthy. And it, it reminds me of this story that I read recently. It was about this Scottish missionary called John Payton. Uh, and he traveled to a group of islands in the southwest Pacific called the New Hebrides. And he went there to, to share the gospel. And the people that he was sharing the gospel with were cannibals. And they lived in this culture of fear and distrust. And so if you're here and you're thinking it's hard being a missionary in Watford, it could be tougher, friends. He's in this place, he's just turned up, but he chose, to, he chose to live with them, live amongst them, and what he wanted to do is to translate the Bible into their language, and, and as he was doing this, he discovered that actually they had no word for faith, trust, or belief, so you can imagine that made it really difficult for him to translate the Bible, um, and one day he had a bit of a brainwave. One of the locals came into his home and what he did was he sat back fully in his chair and he lifted up his legs. And he asked the person, like, what am I doing right now? And they gave, them, they gave him a word which meant to lean your whole weight upon. To lean your whole weight upon. And I think that is just an amazing picture of what it is to follow Jesus. It's to, to lean our whole weight upon Jesus. And he used that as his word for faith in his translation. And time and time again, we see in Scripture God doing stuff in really bizarre, counterintuitive ways. I love the story in Judges 7. You've got um, Gideon, who's preparing the Israelite army. And there are 32,000 Israelites ready to fight the Midianites. And God says to Gideon, look, your army is too big. Like, this is, this is too big. And you can imagine Gideon thinking, oh, I think it's quite good, actually. You know, it's good to have more people in the army. But God says, no. No, if you win with this army, then Israel are going to say, my own strength has saved me. And so what he does is he cuts back the army from 32,000 to 300, and they win the battle. And the point is this. Sometimes God does things in what seems like illogical, implausible ways 
to teach us to lean on him, to lean on his strength, not on ours. So lean not on your own understanding. Next, in all your ways, submit to him, says the writer of the Proverbs. In all your ways, submit to him. And another translation of this verse is, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Another translation says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. And so to submit to God, what that, what that involves or what that looks like is giving him past, present, and future. It means to place all that we are, all that we have, into his loving hands. Our relationships, our career, our school life, strengths, weaknesses, fears, hopes. It means to say, yet not my will, but yours be done. Take all of me, Lord. And again, this is, this is so countercultural. You know, if we, when we tell our friends about this, they don't always think this is good news. You know, our culture cringes at this idea. Like, our culture celebrates people's ability to get their own way in whatever means necessary. You know, people are celebrated when they get their own way. Happiness, we're told, is dependent upon getting what we want. And the Bible, it tells a completely different story. It says, no, actually, true, surren- true freedom is found in the place of surrender. Happiness isn't dependent upon what, getting what you want. True freedom is found in surrender. And in order for us to get this, you know, to get our heads around this, what seems like a bit of a backwards concept, we need to remember, you know, who is it that we're submitting to? Who is it that we're surrendering to? And it reminds me of a story of a friend of mine called Ian, a family friend. And he was just telling me this story of, he was going through open heart surgery a few years ago. And that's a major surgical procedure. And it involves going under a general anesthetic. And then your chest is cut open. And then the surgeon um, does what they need to do. And Ian was called into the hospital the day before this operation was going to happen. And they were just going to walk him through the process. And as he was being told what was going to happen to him, Ian began to just feel more and more anxious, you know, and worried, and, you know, as any of us would in that situation. And the surgeon then said to him these words, Ian, for you, this will be the biggest day of your life. For me, it's just another day. And what he meant by that is, Ian, I know you feel out of control. I know you're scared. I know you feel like you don't know what's going on, but look, I've got you. This is my job. I do this every single day. I know what I'm doing. And so if we can trust the hands of a surgeon, how much more the hands of Jesus that quite literally bear the scars of his love for you and for me. We can trust him. He knows us the best. He loves us the most. This is the person we're coming to. If his hands are big enough to hold the whole world, they're big enough to hold your life. They're big enough to hold my life. So in all your ways, submit to him. And then lastly, he will make your paths straight. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. He will make your path straight. I don't know about you, but... And I, I struggle a little bit more with this one. I mean, one, two, and three are quite challenging anyway, but particularly four, you know, it's, 
in all, <laughs> he will make your path straight. Like, I don't know about you, but life very often doesn't feel like a straight path. You know, for me, life has felt a little bit more like going along St. Albans Road in Watford. I don't know if you know the road, but the one that's going straight down the middle. A horrendous road. Um, you know, people, cars are going everywhere. People are jaywalking left, right, and center. Deliveroo riders everywhere. Some kid bombing it down on a scooter. And it's like, ah, oh, stop with those scooters. You know, they're illegal unless you use them on private property. Anyone else feeling that? Maybe it's just me. Anyway, life, you know, it feels a little bit more like St. Albans Road sometimes. You know, just carnage. Well, like, it doesn't always feel like a straight path. You know, I found myself asking the question at times recently for different reasons. You know, God, where are you? God, what, what are you doing? And maybe you're here, you're thinking, I am trusting, I am leaning, I am submitting, but the path doesn't feel straight. Perhaps you've received some disappointing news. Perhaps something hasn't turned out the way you expected it to. Perhaps you've got a decision to make and you're not sure what to do. You know, what does it actually mean when God says, I will make your path straight? Uh, and the honest and easy answer is to say, I don't know. But I thought that wasn't a very good end to my talk, so I will say something. Uh, what, it, what does it mean he will make our path straight? Jesus doesn't give his disciples a step-by-step plan. He doesn't say this is exactly how it's going to go. What he does give them is his presence. Jesus doesn't promise clarity. He promises his presence. He says to his disciples, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And he says that to you and he says that to me. Surely I am with you always. There will never be a moment without my presence. You'll never have a day in your life without me by your side. And the way I think about it is a little bit like this. Um, My grandfather, he grew up on the island of Guernsey, um, a little channel island, um, which you've probably never even heard of, but it's a lovely place. Um, And he he grew up there and lived there. And because it's an island, it's obviously surrounded by sea, and he'd occasionally do a little bit of spear fishing. And there was this one time he, he'd swam out really far from, from the shore and he was out at sea. And then all of a sudden this fog came down and he couldn't, he couldn't see a thing. And so he was there sort of out at sea, treading water with absolutely no idea which way was home. And fortunately, for whatever reason, he knew which way the wind was blowing that day. And so he was able to use that to work out which way was land. Um, So he swam back, unable to see the shore, but following the lead of the wind. And maybe for you, it feels like the fog has come down in life. That's not necessarily all of us, but for some of us, maybe it feels like the fog has come down. You know, we're not sure which way to go. Jesus, by his spirit, holds us by the hand And so, you know, why why don't we ask ourselves the question, like, what would it look like to follow the lead of the Spirit in those moments today, this week, this month? What would it look like for you to follow the lead of the Spirit? Where do you notice God at work, even amongst all of the fog? 
So to finish, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Jesus says, come, follow me. I am the plan. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me. He doesn't always give us a step-by-step plan. He invites us into a relationship of trust. Lean not on your own understanding. Faith is leaning your whole weight upon Jesus. Sometimes God God does things in seemingly illogical, implausible ways to teach us to lean on him. In all your ways, submit to him. True freedom is found in the place of surrender. There is no safer or better place than in the hands of the one who made you, who loves you, and who wants the best for your life. And he will make your path straight. He will make my path, our path straight. The path is sometimes foggy, undeniably so, but he is with us by his spirit and he will guide us. He will guide you, whatever it is you feel you're going through. He will make our path straight as he leads us by his spirit. Amen.